everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. How are you growing this week? <laughs> um, the way you said that made me think of, have you met Ted? Yes. <laughs> I met your mother. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I've been rewatching that lately. Even though I don't actually think How I Met Your Mother is that funny. I just have been in the mood to like have something on that I have seen a million times. It's not as good as some of the other sitcoms like that, but I do like the characters, but mm-hmm. I haven't rewatched it because when I rewatch things like that, I watch them front to back and I really hated the way that it ended. So yeah. And it's a commitment. There's a lot of seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, back to your question. How have I been growing? Um, in the last few weeks, Taylor and I have been super dedicated on working out. I feel like we've been like inching that way for probably like a year, <laughs> but it's so hard to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now we're both like in a place where we're super committed. So even though I'm like, Oh, it's raining outside. I don't want to run, but we like are scheduled to run. So I'm like, okay, I'll just do it anyway. And then wow. I always feel great after, but that's amazing. I would not run in yeah. the rain. <laughs> I, I would not run well, normally. <laughs> Just in general. Um, and my ears and my jaw are like super sensitive to cold. Mm. And so when I do like work out outside, if it is cold, like my jaw and my ears will ache pretty quickly. And so I have to like wear like a toboggan or something like that. But then like my head gets really hot and sweaty, which I don't like. So it's like having to choose between. You should get earmuffs. I actually have them on my Christmas list. There you go. So yeah, come January, my running will be upgraded a little bit, hopefully. And I don't even, I don't not enjoy running necessarily, but I don't love to run, but I enjoy being able to run long distances. Okay. So you like it once you get past the, like the discomfort of having to get back in shape. Yes. Like I like my body being able to run for a long time. Okay. Does it make you feel yeah. accomplished? Yeah, it does. That makes me feel like strong. Yeah, I'm into it. I like it. It's so nice. <laughs> what about you? How are you growing this week? Well, first of all, I would like to follow up last episode on codependency. We talked a fair amount about boundaries and how I wasn't really sure whether I had them or not. But then mm-hmm. I found this post uh, by the holistic psychologist on Instagram And I read through some of them and I was like, oh, these are like things that I can do without really having too much anxiety about them. So give us some examples. So things like I'm not always by my phone, so I'll respond when I get a chance or Mm -hmm. you're welcome to borrow this from me, but I need it returned by X date or I'm not emotionally available to discuss this right now. I say that a lot to Seb. Like, oh, wow. If he wants to have a conversation about something that's going to take a lot of like, you know, mental capacity and or Mm -hmm. emotional availability, and I'm like, not, you know, in a good place for that, then I'm very quick to say like, hey, I hear you. Also, I can't do this right now. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) And that is totally boundary setting. I think I I wasn't thinking about it quite in those terms. Yeah, that's exactly I, I mean, I would highly recommend everybody go check out this post. Because there were a lot of things that I don't have trouble saying that I had never thought of as a boundary. Right. So that was cool. So evidently I I am good at boundaries. I I mean, I'm not shocked by that. (laughs) I knew you would be. But I wonder if, if the reason like those things you weren't initially thinking about as boundaries is because typically boundaries cause some type of like anxiety or fears or whatever. So like we classify boundaries with this like very specific emotion attached to it. And so if it's not bringing out that emotion, like that's why your brain wasn't immediately like, oh, that is me setting a boundary. Like, I also think I anticipate that setting a boundary will be inconvenient for the other person or like mm-hmm. something that the other person is not willing to work with. So mm-hmm. like it, they'll, yeah, there'll be some sort of conflict. Whereas like, most of the time when I say to Seb, hey, I'm not emotionally available for this, he's like, great, let me know when you are. I was going to ask, like, how do y'all, like, resolve that? Yeah. Most of the time he's just like, okay, fine. If it's something important, he might push me on it, like, or time sensitive, I guess, but that's not usually the case, so. 
how long would you say until you like revisit the topic? Probably I'm sure the next it depends, day. But oh, okay. So it's pretty short. Yeah, like the most recent time he did it, I can remember. I, it was like at the end of a bad day, and I was like, I just I can't think about anything right now. I yeah. need you. I need to sleep on this, and then maybe we can talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. Is it typically something that's about y'all's relationship, or it's like some type of conflict between the two of you, or? Not, not usually. Not, not no. necessarily. Okay. Um, I mean, s- sometimes. But I would say that most of the time in a fight like that, I would want to resolve it and he would be the one that would not want to. Um, okay. This would be more stuff like, you know, if we have any family stuff going on or like mm. making holiday plans, if I'm not like mentally ready to talk about that, which thankfully we've figured, out, figured it out now, I think. Or like if he has farm plans that he like is very excited about and wants a second opinion on. I have got to be in the right mental space for that because I don't want to dismiss him because it's something that is very important to him. But also it's not something that comes naturally for me to think about farm stuff. Mm -hmm. And I also want to get it right because it's important to both of us that we do it well from the get go. But yeah, I have to like really be in the right mental space to talk about stuff like that. That makes sense. Wow. So healthy. We try. All right. So we're finally doing one of the episodes we've talked about doing for quite a long time. I'm so excited about it. We are talking about parenting, which I personally think is truly one of the hardest things you can do. Oh, yeah. I absolutely agree. And I just want us to preface this episode with neither one of us are parents. Yeah. We have no idea what we're talking about. Right. This is totally hypothetical what we think in an ideal world might happen if we become parents. So yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. I'm sure we're wrong about everything. Yeah, I actually (laughs) am kind of excited to have this in the archives because then when I'm a mom, I can go back and listen Mm -hmm. and just laugh at myself and how ridiculous I sound. Right. How everything you hoped, there's like no way Mm -hmm. to do all of it. Yeah. (laughs) It's impossible. I also, I don't know how you feel about this, but I am a believer that parents and kids are kind of meant to be together. So like, you know, you have a kid and you're the perfect parent for them. Like no matter what, you're the person that was, you know, made to be their mom. And so as long as you're trying your best, that's the only thing you can do. So I think that hopefully takes a little bit of the pressure off. That's such a lovely sentiment. Thank you. Really sweet. (laughs) Really, it caught me off guard a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Well, our first question is, do you want to be a parent? Obviously. You do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, being a mom is really the only thing I've always known that I want Mm. to be. But it's kind of funny because even though that's true, I am also I also feel really strongly that I don't want to be a mom until I'm ready. And mm-hmm. I really wanted a couple of years for Seb and I to be married before we even thought about throwing something else like another human into the mix. Yeah, right. Just an, another sprinkle of something else. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that that makes sense. Like wanting to focus on just your like married relationship and like really establish a stability and a security mm-hmm. and all that before you, yeah, turn it upside down. Yeah. Well, how many kids do you want? Two. Have you always wanted two kids or has did that change? Nope. I've always wanted two kids. <laughs> always wanted two. Okay. Yeah. What about Seb? I think it's funny because I don't know if I've ever told you this, but the first couple weeks that I was dating Seb, he mentioned offhand that he wasn't sure he wanted kids. And I panicked, like full Mm -hmm. on panicked. Yeah, that's a deal breaker. Yeah, it was. It was 100% a deal breaker for me. And so I am really not able to like compartmentalize this thing. So of course, I just blurted out like, is this like, I know you said that offhand, but like, is this real? Like, are you right. seriously not wanting to be a dad? Because that, I, and I told him, I was like, that's a deal, deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, so he, he thought about it for a while. We talked through it. And obviously that's not the case anymore, but I think it was more to do with his experiences with his dad. And he was worried that he mm. wouldn't be a good dad. Oh, that, that makes sense. But also, yeah, it 
Seb is like such a dad. He is. He's like, <laughs> like made to be a dad. <laughs> but it would be, it's like kind of hysterical to me to think of him as being like, mm, I don't know. I'm like, Seb, you already are a dad. Like <laughs> you're already there. It's true. Maybe, maybe you don't have the kids yet, but like as soon as they come out, you're going to be a rock star for sure. Yep. He'll be great. That's so funny. What about you? Do you want kids? Oh man, this is such a tricky one. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I definitely grew up wanting kids for, for sure. I definitely thought by the time I was like, I would get married when I was like 22 and then I would have a kid by 23. It's just crazy. I know now. Yeah. When I, I'm like, why did I even think that? <laughs> like that isn't even something that I was like seeing happen around me. Yeah. Um, and I so think I don't when know. you're young, 22 and 23 seems like really adult. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't, I wasn't thinking like, well, at 22, like if you go to college, that's when you'll be finishing. So like, you'll be brand new in the world, essentially. <laughs> like you go to college, um, then you get married. Yeah. That's the, that's the pipeline. Mm -hmm. And so, but yeah, so I grew up definitely wanting kids. I think I wanted like three or four. Ooh. And I wonder too, if it's pretty common to want the number of kids that like you grew up with. Mm, I could see that being the case. Cause I feel like I see that a lot with, with families or, but I think for like only children, it can like go either way. Mm -hmm. It's either like they want a huge family because they didn't have that and they want that like loudness and chaos and all of that. Yeah. Or they're like, Oh no, just one is plenty. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. As I've gotten older, <laughs> I am not sure. And it's funny because when Taylor and I started dating and at some point we talked about it and it was his first time ever thinking that like not having kids is also an option. Like mm -hmm. he just kind of was always like, yeah, I mean, you get married and then you have kids. And he was just kind yeah. of on that wheel, which is like, yeah, for a lot of us. And he was like, oh, I didn't ever think about the possibility of like, you can choose not to. You don't have to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so thankfully we're both in the same camp because I really feel for people who Yeah, have differing opinions on that. That's really hard. Yes. And especially like if those things change. And it like can as change. You, yeah. yeah, it totally can change. And like that's totally an okay thing to happen. Like you're allowed to change your mind on whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's gotta be super difficult for couples who are like either very established in their relationship or are married or whatever, and then one or, or both of them like changes their mind on what they want, and then I don't know. That just seems I yeah, I think whether you want kids or not is just such a humongous life choice, a humongous impact to like the way that your life will look. And yeah. if you don't agree with your partner on it, like, Oh God, I don't know. That just seems terrible to me. I feel like it's kind of one of those, maybe one of the only decisions you can make that you can't really undo. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely. I appreciate that people are putting a lot of thought into it these days. Yes. And so it's not that I don't want kids necessarily. I just like, can't picture myself being ready. Like, I can't imagine when this day will come that I say, you know what? I think I'm okay with like not being selfish anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I can't, I can't envision it, but I think we probably will. I don't know. I think the way we've been, I was a no for a while for like several years. I was like, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, kind of maybe. And now I think I'm more towards probably, I think we might regret it if we didn't. Yeah, that that I feel like is a good question to ask if you are on the fence. It's like, okay, well, if you get to be, you know, 80 or 90 years old, like, are you going to look back and wish that you had had children? Right. And there's like, I think the thing that sucks too is like, there's such a time limit. Like, if mm -hmm. you want to have children, like biologically, yeah. if you want a chance at that, there's a time when your body is able to do that. And then there is a time when it's not. And so yeah. I'm like, ugh, I just, I wish that I was 25. That would be great. If I could rewind the clock but be exactly where I am right now, but only be 25. I'm like, then I could have like five years to do travel everywhere I want to go. Like just do whatever I want to do. And then I'm like, then maybe I'd be ready. But like five years from now, I'll be almost 36. And then it's like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening in my, in my body anymore. I will say that while you obviously can do having children, it, I do feel like it's one of those choices that when you have kids, like people rarely regret having children. 
Yeah, definitely. So hopefully it's worth it. Yeah. I don't know because well, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But one thing that, um, this is like a totally random thing that just popped in my head, but for one of my grad school classes, I had to interview someone who was in like the older adult stage of life. And I interviewed my uncle, who's my mom's older brother. And this like one thing that he said has like, I have never forgotten it. And it just really struck me. And he, so he has two kids mm-hmm. who he like loves dearly and they're both great. And, but I asked one of the questions was like, Oh, if you could go back and do anything over in your life, like what would it be? And he was like, I would have had more kids. I would have had like 11. Wow. Like I love my kids so much. Like I can't like that feeling of loving your child is like a totally different love that you only experience through that relationship. Yeah. Um, and he talked about, and I was like, it just, it was so unexpected. Um, I know it was really sweet. So shout out to uncle Bob. I think that's why too, you hear so often of women, like kind of mourning the baby phase of their last kid. Cause it's like, Mm -hmm. I will never have this special time with this new human and like ever again. Yeah. I will say though, one of the things I heard you say, one of the reservations for having, you know, ha- not having kids or not having enough time to decide whether you want them yeah. is that you would like to travel all over the world before you have kids. But I would like to remind you that just because <laughs> most parents don't travel with children doesn't mean you right. can't. That's true. That could be a limiting belief you could look into. Yeah. Well, and I remember like years ago talking about it in therapy and saying something about like, you know, like you just can't be selfish anymore when that's you are true. a parent. And she was like, like, yes, that's true to an extent. And she was like, but you can also like model for your kids that like you are your a own human. person yeah. <laughs> who has hopes and dreams that are not about your kids. I are actually about something think that totally is separate. <laughs> very, very important. I, and that's yeah. one of the things that I made a note about to talk about is I, one of the things that I really want to do as a parent is prioritize my marriage and prioritize myself because mm-hmm. I want to model to my children that that is a thing that you should yeah. can and should do is prioritize yourself and your marriage in yeah. addition to your kids. Like it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. I completely agree. I feel like that's probably super hard to do Yeah, when you're it's in practice, it, but, I think. but yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's easy to forget how much kids like soak up of everything that is happening Mm -hmm. around them and how much, and like, we don't know like what kids internalize based off of like our actions or our words. Right. And so, you know, if you grow up and you never see your parent, like take time for themselves or like go hang out with a friend or go on a trip without you or whatever. Like you just are like, Oh, that's what you do. Like when you're a parent, Mm -hmm. like you just sacrifice everything for your kids. And that's the point. Yeah. And like, if that's what you want to do, then that's fine. Like if that's the the choice you want to make, but it, yeah, I think a lot of times it feels like that's what you are supposed to do or that's what you have to do to be a good, to be a good parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 One of the things that my parents did when we were growing up that really struck me is they waited until we were old enough to remember. That was their standard. Old enough mm-hmm. to remember to for us to go to Disney. And they were like I think that's a lot of I think a lot of parents do that. Yeah, well, it makes total sense because why would you spend that much money and that much right. effort because it is a lot of effort to like yeah, do Disney. Exhausting. Yeah. Um when your kids, yeah, they might have a good time. Well, obviously, they're going to have a good time, but they're not even going to like form a memory of that. And right. to me, like in my mind now, I'm like, that makes sense because why would I take, especially for me, I just think that would be maybe not my favorite part of parenting, like trying to do those quote unquote like normal family things. Mm-hmm. Um, when we could go to Disney or we could go to Europe and like you guys could get a new experience and have fun. And like, we can find kid friendly things to do and all of us would be happy versus like just trying to do a thing that is supposed to be just for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, and I wonder, yeah, I don't know. It's like Disney, like a rite of passage or something for kids, like in some way, like if you can afford to take your kids to Disney or whatever, like I feel yeah, like a lot I, of t- it's like a badge it's, of honor it's this- as a parent. Yeah, it is. It feels like it's like this huge thing. Which I, when we went, even when we went, 
after we hit that age where my parents thought that we could, you know, remember it. Sure. All my brother wanted to do was be at the pool. Like, we could have been in, at any hotel in the country, and he would have been as happy as he was at Disney. <gasps> oh, that's really funny. Yeah. So. Were your parents so mad? I mean, I don't think they were mad. Plus, it was a really cool pool, because it was like, okay. you know, one of the Disney hotels. We still got to do fun things, and there were parts of it that I know he remembers, and like, we did form family memories, which was great, but... Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not going to take my kids to Disney because I do think it's a good idea to do it once they are old enough. But I'm just saying he was still young enough that he really loved that pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've i been to Disney once, maybe twice, but I honestly like don't like I just remember that I've been like I don't yeah. I don't know that I like have any specific memories I'm sure I would now if I went in as an adult, like I would take so much more in. And I'm sure there's so many things I would notice that I definitely didn't notice as a kid. Honestly, I went on yeah. spring break in college one year and that was so fun. Like going as an adult is actually, I I think, way more fun than doing it as yeah. a kid. I bet it is. I do still really want to go to Harry Potter World. Same. It's going to happen in the next like three years. I'm going to start manifesting it. I like <laughs> right it. Now. That's a great idea. <laughs> I've got to go. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about parenting styles. Let's do it. So you found this article about different parenting styles, and mm-hmm. there's four different types. Authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, uninvolved. Yes. And I'm sure also there's probably like way more styles of parenting than this. These are just like the four main ones that have been around for decades. Yeah. And I also think that maybe they're like parents could be a combo of these. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm not 100% sold on like both parents being the same style. I feel like like you're not sold on it in that you don't think that they should be the same style or you don't no, think I, they likely are. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely situations where they're not the same style. Yeah. Which I wonder like how much that causes problems between yeah yeah parents i would think that it would i would think so too and i wonder like how much oh gosh yeah i don't know i feel like i could go in like i have a million like what ifs of like so do people like talk about how they're going to like handle a situation or like what if something happens and you're the only parent there and like obviously you handle it but then I think you have to be your partner about it. (laughs) I think you have to be at least somewhat on the same page about how you're going to parent as a married couple. Yes. Or any couple. Right. Because uh, otherwise you're sending mixed signals to the kid, right? Yeah. And like probably like just, yeah, like causing a lot of conflict between the two of you if you are not in agreement about how you're going to do things. Right. But even if you find a middle ground and one person, let's say, leans towards permissive and the other person leans towards authoritarian, you're still probably going to have some differences there. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. This is just spiking my anxiety just thinking about it. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go through these types and then we can talk through it. Okay. All right. So the first one is authoritarian. So authoritarian parents believe kids should be seen and not heard. When it comes to roles, you believe it's my way or the highway, and you don't take your child's feelings into consideration. That seems so harsh. Do we think people really parent this way? Oh, anymore? I think so. Yeah. The my way or the highway thing? Yeah, I guess that's true. I definitely think because, I mean, we talked about this at some point recently where sometimes parenting can be a little bit of a like control thing, power mm-hmm. struggle. Totally. Yeah, I'm sure there's, yeah, we've talked about, yeah, power struggles and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I would imagine a lot of power struggles are happening in the, in that household. But this is also the parenting style where, because I said so. Yeah. Is like the end all be all like explanation. It is. Yeah. I mean, I heard that some growing up. Do you? I'm sure I did. I don't have like specific memories of it, but I'm sure that I did. Yeah, I, think at I was some also point- one of those annoying kids who asked a million questions. So I think that sometimes <laughs> my parents probably just got tired of like yeah. giving the real answer and they just started to resort to because I said so because it was easier than explaining. Yeah. 
And I think too, it's like, if you don't really know why you're like laying this boundary or whatever, like you're not really thinking about it. Like, because I said, so it's maybe the only answer that you can actually give. That's probably true. And a lot of that comes from the, this is the way my parents did it. So this is the way we're Mm going to do it, which I think in my mind is like those types of things are the ones that I want to really dig out of myself and like find a good answer. Like I want to have a good answer for why we're doing something a certain way. Right. I hope that that style of parenting is on the way out. I I feel like for sure, like our like grandparents and their grandparents probably parented this way more than maybe it happens today, but yeah, maybe not. Okay. The next one is authoritative parenting And these parents put a lot of effort into creating and maintaining a positive relationship with their child. They explain the reasons behind their rules. They enforce rules and give consequences, but take their child's feelings into consideration. I mean, this one feels like the gold star. I Yeah, I agree. I think this sounds pretty healthy. And yeah, for the most part, I think this is my childhood. Yeah, I would agree. I think me too, for the most part. I can't... Yeah, I can't really... I'll have, we'll have to keep, uh, we'll have to keep reading the other ones, but yeah, I think for the most part, this sounds, sounds true. Um, one of the things that I had already identified that I wanted to try as a parent from an account that I follow on Instagram was she was saying that basically it comes back to boundaries for them, which is awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. as parents, they set a boundary and they explain the consequence. So If you hit your sister, you have to take 10 minutes of quiet time or whatever, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a boundary and a consequence always. And they're always explained the boundary and the consequence. And then when they cross the boundary, you just have to uphold it. Like, and it's very cut and dry. And I was like, that makes total sense. It's easy as co-parents to enforce things like that. And I like the idea of it being not like a punishment, but a consequence. Like you, you knew that this was going to be what happened and you chose to do it anyway. So so like you made a choice and now you're going to, you know. And yeah. Well, and this is the result of that choice. Exactly. Yeah. I've talked about stuff like this with some parents before when they've had questions about like enforcing things at home. And I think another good thing to do here is to invite your kids to that conversation of like, Hey, let's make this together as a family. Like let's decide what the consequences should be for this. Because a lot of time when, if kids are like regulated and they're like in a good place, like they're, they can come up with like reasonable answers for like what it actually, what a consequence should be for, you know, yeah. Hitting your sibling or not Not doing your homework or whatever. Yeah. Or like whatever, like they're like, Oh yeah, it should, we should do this. Like, and so I think then that helps them probably feel a bit more like they're part of the process and gives you more buy-in yeah. from them. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I would say in general, I'm leaning towards the parenting philosophy of like, let's model how things would work in the real world. And also let's treat our kids like humans and not like pets. Mm-hmm. Like they're people and they have feelings and they have their own will. So if they want to make a choice, that's, you know, going to result in a consequence, like that's their choice. Yeah. That makes me think of kind of a little bit of an issue I had at work this last week where um, counseling was recommended for this kid. And when I talked to the parents, initially they were fine with it. Um, and then when I sent the consent form over, they were hesitant to sign it because they didn't like the confidentiality pieces where that just say like, oh, I won't share our conversations unless given permission or if it falls under these, you know, uh, safety protocols or whatever. Yeah. These safety protocols. And they kept referencing their kid as our five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I mean, yeah, it was basically saying without saying, Oh, this five-year-old does, is not entitled to privacy and he's not entitled to having like a relationship or building rapport or sharing his thoughts and feelings in a safe environment. If we are not privy to it. And I was like, he's still a human. Yeah. (laughs) Like at what point is he allowed to have a conversation that you don't know what he's saying? 
Right. And I'm like, that happens all the time, actually. Like he's at school. So he's having conversations all the time that you're not aware of. Right. But yeah. So I think just that idea that all humans, no matter their age are entitled to certain things that I think historically we have not given kids because they're like still learning or whatever. Like you have to give them the same rights, you know, yeah. Within reason, we want to keep them safe. Within reason, of course. But, yeah. 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 So that's what's interesting. Okay. Well, the next type is permissive parenting. And they set rules, but rarely enforce them. They don't give out consequences very often. And they think their child will learn best with little interference. Hmm. I, I feel like this is one that I could see myself falling into. Really? I think because I think my, like, I think I would be soft. People please are like, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, wait, okay, you're sorry. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can see that. I would, yeah. I would, I think it might be hard for me to enforce things because even just thinking about parenting or whatever you want to call it, our dog. Like I'm so, I'm so forgiving, like immediately. Cause I'm like, Oh, you're so cute. You're oh my gosh. Dog, it's so Taylor so- <laughs> like good at. Oh yeah. Know. He's the reason that Millie behaves most of the time. Like, because he taught her how to. Behave. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, Oh, but she's so cute. Does Whatever. he get annoyed when you <laughs> I just don't want her to be happy. The consequences? <laughs> Oh, for sure. But I, and I get annoyed when he's like, when in my eyes, I'm like, why are you being so hard on her? She's just so sweet. (laughs) So I could totally see us like having, having to have conversations. And maybe if with like a human child, I would maybe be different. I don't know, but yeah, I could see myself maybe falling in here or having to be careful that I don't like live in permissive parenting. Yeah. I think that's, that makes sense. And this is kind of what I was talking about when, you know, one person might lean one way and one person might lean the other, which I think my parents, my dad tended to lean towards the permissive. I also think that when you mm-hmm. get tired as a parent, it's easier to be permissive because like upholding those boundaries actually takes effort. And like, sometimes you're just exhausted. Yeah. But oh, that's a good point. Because I bet like, um, I wonder if you are parented differently based on like where you are. Oh, 100%. Um, in, in the birth order. Only and, like, a like, youngest child of- would think that maybe, <laughs> maybe they were parented the same as their oldest sibling. No. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying like, I just turned out this way on just cause you know, I'm a perfect child. Not mm-hmm. because my parents <laughs> let you do what you <laughs> we're want. really, we're really chill. Not, that's not why. Yeah. Well, I do think that's real. I'm sure that parents are more permissive with younger siblings than older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But I do, th- I think that this is a good place. I know that it's probably hard as a parent, you know, you get tired and your standards change or whatever, but I think this is a totally. good place where the, like the boundary consequence thing can come in handy. Like in this family, mm-hmm. if you don't come home before 10 PM, then the consequences you're grounded for a week. Like those right. are, it's very clear and easy to hold that same standard kid to kid yeah. in my, in my mind at least. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, Oh, I could think of like a million. Okay. But yeah. What if this happens? And that's why they're home late. Like, are there exceptions or is it always? Well, I think then there's a communication, like, boundary. Like, if you're going to have an issue with any of these other boundaries, you have to communicate that. And then we decide as a family unit, like, what to do. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. There can be a little gray area. I mean, if you think about it, that's kind of the same as, you know, like, what would happen in the real world at a nine to five job. Like you come in by nine and if you're not going to be able to come in by nine, you call your manager and talk to like, tell them why. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is. It's definitely good practice for the real world. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that you feel like your dad probably fell a bit more into the permissive parenting. Cause I think my dad did too, for the most part, but I feel like what's interesting with dads is that a lot of times they're the enforcer. They're the ones that you, you know, I feel like you can hear moms saying, well, wait till your dad gets home. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't know what that's about, but that's, it was the same in my house for sure. Like he was the muscle. Well, and I can think of times too, when my mom would tell me to like, go ask my dad after I had like asked her 
if I could do something. And in that case, I'm like, oh, I don't know if she just didn't want to give an answer because she didn't know or was just too tired or whatever. Or sometimes I'm not sure about this at all, but I think maybe sometimes in my mom's case, she was just tired of being the bad guy. Like she just didn't want to be the one having to set those boundaries all the time. Yeah. Because he was a lot more lax about it, I think, naturally. So I think she had to like kind of ask him to be, you know, a little more firm and -hmm. be the one to be like, no, you can't do this. Yeah. Well, and I don't know how much this is still true. I feel like probably still fairly true, but like I just spent like way more time with my mom than I spent with my dad, like growing up. And granted, my mom was like, she worked at the schools that I went to. So, you know, it's like, oh, we like had, we went to school together in the morning and we drove home at night, but like she was the one that was like taking me places for the most part. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. But I think in our case, the reason that I would typically ask mom first is because she was kind of like the head of household, like with, Mm -hmm. she was the one that was typically making those decisions. So it didn't make sense for me to go to dad if it was a situation where I knew he was just going to ask her anyways. Yeah. So, but I mean, I get that. I wouldn't want to be the one being the bad guy all the time either. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was parented more by my mom than my dad. And I wonder how true that is still today. Like how common that is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I spent more time with my mom because like after school, sometimes we would go to the store that she owned or, you know, her fle- her hours were a little more flexible than my dad and he worked not in town. So he had a commute, but I don't feel like, I don't know. I don't feel like I was necessarily parented more by her. I feel like our family unit just kind of revolved around her and what, you know, she wanted for the family more than my dad mm-hmm. didn't. My dad just didn't have a lot of opinions about things, I think. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Family dynamics are an interesting part of, like, how you parent, I think. Oh, definitely. Well, and it would be interesting, too, to, like, talk to our own parents about how they were parented. Mm. And, like, Gosh, I do not envy them at all. (laughs) At least. Did they they do, like, the opposite of, like, how they were parented? Did they – are they modeling exactly how it was? Like, I would imagine – I'm 100% sure that my dad did not parent me the way he was parented. (laughs) (laughs) Is that for the better? I think so. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I would imagine that most of the time people like pick and choose things that they're like, oh, I liked this from my family. Or I'm like that my parents parented me in this way. And then, oh, here's how I didn't like it. So I'm going to try to do the opposite. Yeah. Um, Which makes sense. It's like you're basically iterating on all of the things that your parents already learned. Like, of course, mm-hmm. you're going to want to make changes for the better on the way that you were parented. But like, to me, that's not a knock against, you know, whoever parented you. It's actually just an improvement on the style and techniques that we've already experienced. Yeah, it's like a natural evolvement. Yeah, like, uh, hopefully all parents want their kids to be better than they were at the things they did. Yeah. All right. The last one is uninvolved parenting. So these are parents who maybe don't ask their child about school or homework. They don't know where their child is or who their child is with, and they don't really spend that much time with their child. This makes me very sad, but I know it's pretty common. I know. I know. Yeah, that is really sad. And I feel like, you know, obviously maybe parents who don't live with their kids or this would be like a really easy one to fall into, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure that there are parents who fall into this who do live with their child. They're just give them like no attention. Yeah, it's really sad. It's also very foreign to me because I feel like we grew up in the era of helicopter parenting where I'm, Mm. which I'm not sure where that falls in these categories, but I think it's pretty much the opposite of this. (laughs) Yeah. It's the opposite of uninvolved. Do you see a lot of uninvolved parenting when you're working with kids at the school? Yeah, definitely. Some uninvolvement by choice and some uninvolvement by like the law. (laughs) Yeah, I think sometimes I'll have meetings with parents and their answers to like questions about their kids are just super odd um, or like don't really answer the question or Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, I can see 
how, yeah, I can see part of this dynamic coming through. Obviously, I don't know all the context about why and what else they have going on, but, um, but then I also get to have meetings with parents who are like, you know, it's so obvious that they care and love for their kids and know them super well. And yeah, so that's really special too. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on what type of parent, if you are a parent, you think you will be? I think I'll definitely be an anxious parent. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> that checks out. I I think I would mostly be in like the authoritative parenting. Like I think I would put a lot of effort in. I think from everything that I've learned from like behavior and working with kids and all of that, hopefully I would be able to pull in those things. And like I've nannied for quite a few families um, and have several friends that have kids. So I feel like I've gotten to see parenting a lot. And so pulling in the things that I really like about, but also, yeah, I don't know. Parenting, you know, like you said at the beginning, like parenting truly seems like one of the hardest things in the whole world. Yeah. It's like a nonstop job Mm -hmm. and there's so many variables. So I don't know. It's. I think it's hard to say until like if I become a parent, then I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's been nice having experience like keeping children because I think you can see what works well. And at least for me, like I know that the boundary conversation is difficult, but I also see the benefit of it like in Mm -hmm. within family dynamics, like parents that are authoritative And so I hope that's the type of parent I'll be. But also for me, I think I feel really strongly that I want to help my kids be who they are and not who I expect them or need them or want them Mm -hmm. to be like within reason. Obviously, you have to keep your kids safe. But one of the things I saw on Instagram, it's a shamanic blessing from, I believe, a Central American culture. It says, I released my partner from the obligation to complete me. I released my parents from the feeling they failed me. I released my children from the need to bring me pride so they can write their own paths to the rhythm of their hearts. I don't lack anything. I cherish my essence, my way of expressing it, even if not everyone can understand me. I learn from all beings all the time. I honor the divinity in me and you. And I really resonated with that. I was like, these are little tiny humans and they're not here to please me. I'm here to help them be who they are rather Mm -hmm. than like trying to squeeze them into what I think they should be. Yeah. I think when you have kids, it's going to be so interesting because I know obviously y'all are going to like do their human design and all of Mm -hmm. that. And I'm curious like how that will inform your parenting. Yeah. Based on what you know about them. I mean, I am so happy that I have tools like that to try to help me understand who they are. But I also have thought a, a little bit about the fact that I don't want to project any of those like personality types or stereotypes onto them either. Like I think because yeah. even with human design, you know, as it's used now and how I use it myself, it's like there are sometimes any personality tests, there are sometimes when you can almost use those like types as a crutch, like, oh, well, I'm just an Enneagram 4, so of course I'm emotional. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get into any of that stereotyping too much. But I am very happy to have like tools to help me. I think it gives it gives like a vessel so that you can say, you know, if they are different from me, this is how and why. And it's okay that they're different from me. It's like a little Mm -hmm. bit of a permission slip. Yeah. So I, I think one thing that I will try really hard to do is talk about feelings a lot. And it's easy for me to do that with kids that I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think it would be hard to do with like, if I had my own kids, I don't think it would be hard, but I think forcing myself to like model having feelings in front of yeah. my kids or saying what my feelings are, that's so important to me to pass that on. Yeah. But I also think it'll be challenging for me to do that at the same time. Yeah, I can see that being the case. But that's such a great learning tool for you, too, I think. And mm-hmm. honestly, I kind of feel like kids are here to teach us as much as we are to teach them. Like, that will be yeah. 
a cool lesson for you to learn and Mm -hmm. obviously difficult. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess I have a lot of feelings about like wanting kids to be who they are, but I also know that that's not always easy, especially when they're, you know, different from me because that's harder to understand in any other human. Yeah. One question that Taylor has asked me before how would you feel if your kids weren't interested in any of like the hobbies and stuff that like you had when you were little or maybe still have like, like I know Seb is super into soccer and think like, what if your kids had like zero interest in soccer or like, you know, like you grew up like doing art. Like what if your kids had no interest in doing these? I'm like, I feel like that for me for like volleyball, like, Oh, like what if they hated volleyball? Like how would I handle that? Yeah, I think that's actually something that you should mentally prepare yourself for if you're wanting to have kids. <laughs> Truly, I think that like you need to think through the possibility that they could be gay or trans or believe differently than you. Like those are mm-hmm. all things that just because it's your experience doesn't mean it's going to be their experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I, while that is hard, I think you have to anticipate that your kids will have vastly different interests than you. Yeah. Well, and I'm just I don't know. I'm like I. I think one thing that my parents did when I was younger that I would probably do with my kids, if my kids showed any interest in sports at all, like signing them up for a lot of different sports so that they get to just experience it. And then they can decide like, oh, this is what I did like, or this is what I didn't like. Or, But I think too, for me, like I played a couple different instruments. We had a rule um, that everybody had to have two years of music and you could choose what you wanted it to be. It didn't have to be like I did trumpet. I did one year of band and then I did piano and guitar. I like Um, that. I like that like parameter. Yeah. But I also, I'm like, you know, and then I quit because I hated practicing, but I so wish that I'm like, oh, I wish my parents had like made me continue to play guitar or continue to play piano. Cause now when I got older, I was like, oh man, I wish I knew how to do this. And so for some of those things, I'm like, oh, I wonder if my kid was interested in an instrument and then, but they didn't want to do it after a year, would I push it on them or not? And like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough one. I agree with you. I would love to be able to play the piano, but as an adult, like I haven't made the effort to learn how to play the piano. So it's like, sure, is, I don't know, is it worth, is it worth like exercising your power over your kid? to have them learn something when they really don't enjoy doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Just for a skill. To me, it's like, eh, it's a skill. They can pick it up later if they want to. Yeah. I, I actually have mixed feelings too about, you know, the concept of like sticking with something. I feel like that was something our generation was really taught. Like you stick with mm-hmm. whatever you have decided to do. So mm-hmm. I played soccer. Not that I didn't want to not play soccer. Like I loved soccer, but I, you know, quote unquote, stuck with it for a long time. But if I hadn't enjoyed it, like what I still have had to continue doing it. Like, I I do think that, you know, if you sign up for a season, like you need to finish the season. But if Mm -hmm. the kid doesn't really like playing soccer, like why force it? Yeah, that was our rule too, is like if we, if we started a season of something, like we weren't allowed to quit in the middle. Yeah. But if we didn't want to sign up, Again, we didn't have to. And I remember talking about this to my mom one time because I took dance for one year when I was like in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And then I said that I wanted to do it again. But then on the first day of our like practices or whatever, I went and like immediately like burst into tears and was like, I don't want to dance. And my mom ended up not like she didn't make me keep doing it since it was day one because she was like, I don't want to drive you to dance practice and sit there a couple hours a week. If you don't even want to be there, like I yeah. don't do that. That's a waste of everybody's time. That's actually a good point. One of the things that I heard on a podcast from a family, it was like coming out of quarantine. One of the things that they realized that they had really enjoyed as a family was like having time together and not having to be like spread really thin because there's mm-hmm. six practices we have to go to. Mm-hmm. And like, to recitals and whatever. Um, and so they actually pulled back on like 
pretty much all of their like extracurricular activities. And I think each mm-hmm. kid had like one thing that they could do at a time. And yeah. I was like, I kind of like that. I, I do think at some point you have to prioritize having family moments versus yeah. having new experiences. And like both of those things are important and you have to find a balance. And I think as a kid, I can remember, I just feel like we were always doing something. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the healthiest thing for a family. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely, I agree. And I think it's so important that kids have time to like free play Mm -hmm. and like use their imagination. And like, it's so important for development, but when they're on this like tight schedule constantly where it's like, okay, you go to school and then on Mondays and Tuesdays, we have to go to this practice and on Thursdays and Fridays we are go, we're here. And on Wednesdays we have to take your brother to this thing or whatever. And it's just like, you end up running around all the time and then, yeah, you don't actually get to spend quality time together as a family. And actually that free play conversation is something that I've thought a lot about in regards to how many toys I want people to buy our kids. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be a situation where they have so many toys that they don't know how to like make up a game. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a hard boundary to set, put in place for relatives. Like please don't just buy my kids all the, you know, things that they are asking for at the store. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like a way that grandparents or other relatives show love and it's like easily oh, connect like, with a kid like oh here yeah yeah oh like grammy got you this like mm-hmm. you know whatever um and it does make kids super happy to like get the things that they want like i mean just like all of us like yeah. we get excited to get get the things so right it's also you know more work to get a kid to be like okay let's go outside and play or like yeah you're bored with all your all your toys let's make mm-hmm. something up like that's actually more work as a parent or caretaker. Yeah. But I think it's important. Yeah. One cool thing that the family that I nannied for a long time in grad school and I'm still close with, they, I wish, I don't know how they have parented. I wish I could like go back and watch them because I think they are such fabulous parents. But I remember like the first day that I babysat, like the, uh, third kiddo. I think he was probably, gosh, he was probably like eight or maybe nine when I started babysitting and him and his like friend next door were making an arcade out of cardboard boxes. Wow. That's cool. And it was so creative, but it was like, oh, they're sitting up here. Like there's a TV right there. The TV is not on. Like they're just creating this arcade game out of cardboard. They're like drawing on it and they would make like comic books all the time. And it just, I was like, this is like they're choosing it. Like, yes, they did have roles around like screen time in the house, Mm -hmm. but I think because that was like the culture of the house, they, it wasn't like an issue. Like it was just like, Oh, they know, like they don't get to watch TV until like nighttime. Like they have to go play outside or they have to do something crafty or like they would make all these like videos or they'd make movies on the iPad. Like they'd come up with a story. I was in one of them. I was the babysitter who got killed. I had to lay in a bathtub with a with a knife beside me that was had ketchup all over it. Oh, that's funny. That's amazing though. Yeah. But I think you said two really important things in that conversation, screen time and culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my personal views on screen time is that I don't I won't know until I know, but I I do know that technology is a part of our lives as adults, so why would we like prevent our kids from using that to their benefit? Yeah. The other thing is, I think the culture in the house sets the tone for a kid. So, like, if you're a parent who's on your phone all the time, like, of course, kids are going to want to be on their phone all the time. Yeah. Which is a hard boundary, like, to set for yourself. Like, if you're thinking about it like that, of like, oh, I, what am I modeling? It's like, oh, well, if I, if I don't want my kids, yeah, to like, want to watch TV all the time or want to like, be on a phone or be on an iPad or whatever, then like, I can't be modeling that for them. Yeah. And, but if you don't care and you're fine with that, which is also like, that's fine. You know, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. I think that our generation is going to be the generation of like modeling as parents, which mm-hmm. can go any way you want it to, because it depends yeah. on what kind of model <laughs> you want to be. It depends on you. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. There's just, there's so many things to think about and so many things that, I'm sure we're not thinking about because we're not in it yet. Like 
Um, I think we, I can only wrap my head around like some of the big things that I'm like, this is how I think it might go. But yeah, there's all these little details of everything that like, I have a good friend here who has a one-year-old. And so just in the last year talking with her about all different kinds of things, I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, oh, I, I didn't even know that was a part of a baby's life. Like (laughs) there's, yeah, there's just so much to learn. It's true. Speaking of so many things to learn and do, mm-hmm. I have thought a lot about the idea of like mental load as parents and how that works out in a, you know, heteronormative relationship because right. I feel like oftentimes that falls on the mom. I don't foresee that being as big of an issue for us, but it is something I want to keep an eye on, especially just because I think sometimes women are such big planners. I actually saw this on big little feelings account on Instagram recently. One of the women has a toddler and is also pregnant and Mm -hmm. she and her husband were going to dinner for a date and she had to, she had to get the kids ready for the babysitter. She had to lay out their pajamas. She had to make sure that their food was ready for dinner. She had to make sure that the babysitter had, um, all everything she needed for their nighttime routine. And she had to get herself ready for the date. And her husband kind of just like was, you know, grabbed his keys and put his shoes on. And like, it was one of those Mm -hmm. situations. And she was talking about it through the lens of like, this is something we are actively working on because the mental load here is not equal. And I know that he's always, she, cause she explained it as like, there's three parts to mental load. It's like, the thoughts of what needs to get done, like the actual mental part of like planning all of the steps that need to happen for us to make it on this date. Right. There's the execution. So like deciding who's going to do what and like making a plan for it actually getting done. Mm -hmm. And then there's the actually doing it part. And she said that her husband is always, always willing to do number three, but he is not a natural at one or two. Yeah. And that makes total sense to me. Like it, I, just can see how so many women would fall into that. Like, Oh, I'm the one that remembers to make the doctor's appointments or that's thinking about, you know, what, um, what dinner our kids are going to have tonight or all of those like little details that it's really hard to encourage, you know, your partner, if that's not their natural ability into like helping with. Right. Well, and I feel like in that you would have to decide how high are the stakes here? Like, if you pass step number one to your partner and they don't do it exactly how you like want them to do it, or they don't do it in a way that is helpful or whatever, like how do you, how do you coach through these different things when they're also different? Yeah, I agree. I I just think that in these types of scenarios, you kind of have to a be willing for things to go wrong because I think that's Mm -hmm. important for learning. Like you have to practice before you get it right. So if Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you do practice on a low stakes game, like, uh, going on a date. So if you don't end up on the date, like it's not that big of a deal. Right. Instead of, let's say like taking a kid to a really important doctor's appointment where if they don't get there, like that might be a big issue. Right. Um, I think the other thing too is, cause in my mind, it's really hard to split up those three steps, but yeah. instead you could give people like zones. So like, let's say your husband is responsible for making all of the like doctor's appointments And maybe you remember like, hey, I don't know if they've got this doctor appointment scheduled and you just like shoot off a message. It's like, hey, I this came into my brain. I know it's in your sphere of influence. So like you handle that and I'm going to trust you to do it because, you know, hopefully we practice enough that I do trust you that you'll get it done. That's the only way I can see it going for us. But who knows? Oh, man, I didn't even think about mental load with parenting. But to me, that's like maybe the hardest (laughs) part, truly. Yeah, because it's nonstop. Well, and then it's like mental load about your kid, but then like it's not like the mental load of your whole life it goes away suddenly. Like right. all there's then you just have like two two worlds of mental load yeah. <laughs> that are like intertwined in some ways, in some ways they're not. Um that yeah, there's just like ten times more things that have to happen. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about like the idea of asking for help as like a mother, which I think is very important. And the idea of like retaining your own humanity in this whole process, Mm -hmm. like being your own self and not just losing yourself to motherhood or whatever. Yeah. 
And when you said humanity, I thought it, I thought you were going to say your sanity, but that's also important. <laughs> yes, both of those things. <laughs> Figure out how to maintain your sanity as well. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's complicated. I, it's so complicated. Yeah. I'm excited for us to like talk to some parents. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have so many questions. I have like, such respect for people who are parents. Oh my God. Truly. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's a nonstop feat. Like every single day that you wake up and you like do this, this super important job every day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We should have a parents' day. (laughs) We should. We We just had Veterans' Day, but we also should have a parents' day. I mean, I guess we do have Mother's Day and Father's Day, but oh yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay, well, we should have another day. (laughs) They should have more than one day a year. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything that really scares you about being a parent? I don't think there's anything that's like overwhelmingly terrifying to me. I just know that I will screw it up. Like I, in my brain. Mm -hmm. I will absolutely do my best, but there's no way that I'll be perfect. So like I will, you know, inflict some sort of like trauma on my children. And yeah, I just raising a human that is their own person seems so daunting. So I want to do my best and I feel like there's no way I won't screw it up. And that's kind of scary. Yeah. That's my same fears. I'm like, I feel like no matter how hard I try, I'm still going to do something wrong mm-hmm. um, in some way that likely impacts them in like this huge way of like this way of how they interact in their relationships with other people. And I'm so scared of that. I'm so scared that I'm going to do something that negatively impacts how they operate in the world, which hopefully I can like deal with that because then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to make my kid anxious because I'm anxious. <laughs> I'm going to model anxiety for them and they're going to be like, oh, yeah. I mean, I internalize all this anxiousness. And parents is like a natural, normal thing to happen though because you're yeah. literally responsible for the, uh, somebody else not dying. Like that's, that's, that's a big responsibility. Maybe that's why like almost everyone has anxiety because <laughs> it's Maybe. just like, it's like impossible to avoid. Maybe. Just living is uh, anxiety inducing. Mm-hmm. So. What feels like the most exciting part? I think there's so many exciting parts. I think that's why like people take on this really scary job because mm-hmm. it's really cool and fun. And I think the part that I am personally most excited about is just like experiencing a child's joy. Like mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. is such a special thing and mm-hmm. kids are so much better at that than adults like actually fully experiencing joy and it's just a treasure to watch so yeah i think for me yeah like there's a lot of things that feel exciting i think one is like like i said earlier my uncle was talking about like this special love that you can have for a child and like that's the only that's the only way to experience like that type of love and he's like you he, you know he was like you just can't you cannot imagine or fathom how much you love them. Like mm-hmm. you just can't until you're in it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that feels exciting. And I think, yeah, just like getting to know this like little tiny human that's like part of me, but also totally like not me, like totally different and just getting to like watch them grow up and uh, yeah, learn about them. Seems really fun. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, the other like little random thing is that this has only happened to me, I think once ever, because I haven't babysat that many like babies. Mm -hmm. Um, But one time like picking up a baby that was asleep out of a car seat and then they just like nestled their head like into my neck. And I was like, what is this feeling I'm feeling right now? (laughs) Like, This is the sweetest, (laughs) like warmest something. I was like, this is such a biological something going through my body right now of like having a little baby I love babies. Like I love kids too, but I love babies so much. (laughs) Yeah. They're pretty cute. They're very scary to me, but they are cute. I, I I prefer for babies to be able to support their own necks before I hold them because I'm so scared that <laughs> I'm going to like mess their neck up or something. Of babies, I, yes, I, I am. I yeah. am. They're so cute. I love to like let them hold my pinky or something <laughs> while they're being held by someone else. But I don't want to screw them up. Yeah. So you just stay over there. I'm going to look at you. You're so cute. <laughs> and I'm like, um, please give me that baby right now. Yeah. <laughs> So once again, Bracy and I are opposite on 
surprise, <laughs> surprise. Some, at least one thing in this conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Well, I think now's the perfect time to thank our parents for enduring parenthood. Absolutely. And I think we turned out okay. So they did a pretty good job. Yeah. You guys, you guys did a good job. We're proud of you. Thanks for parenting us, bringing us into the world. All right. Well, truly, truly, we would love to hear from parents. We'd love to know, like, what was the best part? What was the hardest part? Any tips? Um, Tell any- us what we don't know. Yeah. Which is, yeah, we're, our inbox is going to be flooded. You can email us at likeheartedpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow along at LikeHeartedPod on Instagram. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye.